On this episode of Rev Hang, Ben and I talk about the Austrian Grand Prix. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rev Hang. I'm your host, Nathan Neview, and alongside me today is my fellow car enthusiast and co-host, Ben Bagley. How are you, Ben? Good. It's uh, good weather outside. I got a new mic, so I'm no longer speaking through a, a cheap little uh, headset. So hopefully it works out well. Awesome. You sound awesome. So I am excited uh, to get started. We've got a bit of a shorter episode today. We've just got the Formula One Austrian Grand Prix to talk about. But uh, let's just dive right in. Alrighty. So this was a sprint weekend. Uh, we had qualifying on Friday, the sprint race on Saturday, and then the main feature race on Sunday. Yeah, the uh, the order really messed me up. I completely forgot about watching on Friday, and then I got to Saturday, and I was like, this isn't qualifying. <laughs> yeah, it kind of snuck up on us. Um, I wasn't uh, fully... I didn't even know it was a sprint weekend until we got here. <laughs> <laughs> so luckily I was able to catch qualifying though. Um, I was actually at work while it was happening. Um, but, so I just got to listen on my headphones. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty normal qualifying at Austria, except for the fact that we had two Mercedes <laughs> spinning off the track and crashing. Oh man. Doesn't happen to Mercedes that often. No, no, especially not to Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Lewis doesn't crash very often. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes like that. So it was kind of uh, interesting to see uh, see that happen. Um, but anyway, the qualifying order, the top 10 at least, were Verstappen, Leclerc, Sainz, Russell, Ocon, Magnussen, Schumacher, Alonso, Hamilton, and Gasly. What a great qualifying lineup. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we got some interesting people in there. We got two Haases in the top 10. And two um, Alpines. Two Alpines in the top 10. Yep. Uh, Sergio Perez qualified fourth, I believe, but he uh, had a time from Q2 deleted after qualifying was over, and that dropped him down all the way to P13 after yeah, qualifying was of... over. Ended up being a theme this weekend. Yeah, track limits were enforced uh, in a big way this weekend <laughs> compared to in the past. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that a little more later because it got even more intense after that. But um, moving on to the sprint race um, on Saturday morning, uh, started. Uh, well, it didn't start yet. Alonso had an electrical issue and couldn't actually get out of his um, starting slot on the grid um, for the formation lap. And the team actually left his tire blankets on the car when they all cleared the cleared the grid. So, that was so uh, weird. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of um, not 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 what Alpine wanted to start their sprint race. They ended up having to pull Alonso into the pit lane and. Uh, they weren't able to get his car running in time, so he was unable to take part in the F1 sprint race. Yeah, it was just a, a weird situation to watch. That uh, it it wasn't just the tire warmers being left on, which is what I thought it was. It was a completely separate electrical issue that, who knows, Alpine just didn't know about, or yeah, yeah, 
it's weird because, I mean, obviously he did qualifying the day before. Um, so it was very odd that his car all of a sudden had this issue. But uh, he wasn't the only one that had issues uh, as the rest of the grid came around on the formation lap. Guan Yu Zhou, actually, his car stopped, came to a stop before he could get to the grid. Um, and uh, he said his engine just shut off. Oh, the um, first of many Ferrari engine problems this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems like, man, Joe has such bad luck with reliability this year. He's got to have the um, worst luck. It's got to be gotta be up there. I mean, basically, if you're in a car with a Ferrari engine, this is just part of how the season's going for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're just kind of blowing up left and right. But... Uh, <laughs> We'll talk about that more later, too. Um, but yeah, so he his engine just stopped working. He was able to get it started again, but um, the rest of the grid needed to go around and do a second formation lap because uh, they weren't sure if Joe was going to be able to get started again. Um, but he did, so he started from, I think, the pit line. Uh, and then the race finally, actually, after after all of that drama, finally got underway. Uh, Verstappen, Sainz, and Leclerc had a pretty feisty scrap in the first four corners during the first um, lap of the race. Uh, Sainz was really, really aggressive, which I think is good to see. He's definitely gaining confidence um, after that win in Britain. Yeah, yeah, I think hopefully Ferrari doesn't let that uh, that confidence affect his and Leclerc's race. Uh, for too many races, because they're having a bit of a scrap during the sprint that kind of, I think, hurt uh, their chances for a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they definitely lost time to Verstappen, who got out in front and then pretty much gapped the field and kept it that way for the rest of the race. Uh, it's hard to say if they would have caught up to him again had they not been fighting for the first half of the race, but... Um, yeah, I'm I'm still happy that we at least got to see that battle and that they're at least letting them race each other for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a fine line between uh, giving good team orders to maximize your points and actually allowing your drivers to duke it out themselves. For sure. Um, so off the start, Gasly crashed into Lewis Hamilton uh, before turn one and spun out, ruining his own race like that. Um not great, uh, but at least, you know, he had the race the next day to kind of make up for it. Yeah. Um, Norris and Ricardo cut their way through the field throughout the race, um, kind of together. They were kind of in tandem the whole weekend. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. It actually seemed uh, Ricardo was a little bit faster than Norris throughout this weekend. Yeah, uh, he had a poor qualifying, but he was always on Lando's tail and kind of following Lando through, so I think they both had good pace, um, in the races at least, but the the weekend was not not awesome for, for McLaren. <laughs> um, but they did recover in the end during the race on Sunday, um, but back to the sprint race. Uh, Albon got a five-second penalty for forcing Lando Norris off the track. Uh, I don't, I don't know if that was completely necessary. Uh, I think the five-second penalty was a little harsh, looking at what actually happened. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, Alvon was aggressive and got his elbows out, but he also had the right to the corner. So, um, I don't know. I think it might have been a little harsh with the penalty, but uh, it is what it is, and it seems like the stewards were definitely not afraid to get involved in the racing this week. <laughs> yeah, just part of the precedent from this weekend, I guess. Yeah. Um, so Leclerc and Sainz, like we said, battled, battled back and forth for the first 10 laps or so. Uh, Sergio Perez started 13th after his penalty in qualifying and made it all the way up to fifth place in the sprint race. Um, yeah. Really? And, uh, I was kind of disappointed that the, the broadcast didn't really show much of his race and just how he's able to claw back. Yeah. The TV direction this weekend was um, <laughs> questionable at best <laughs> at some points. It had brightness, but... Uh... Yeah, I would have liked to see a little bit more of Perez going from 13th to 5th. I think that would have been kind of entertaining to watch. Yeah, I think so too. Um, after that, Alex Albon had another incident and uh, hit Sebastian Vettel and spun him off uh, off the track. Uh, I'm not, I don't remember for sure if he got a penalty for that one. I, I think he did. I believe he got two penalties. I don't remember for, for sure. Um, it was a. Uh, pretty 50 50 they both kind of ran into each other so yeah um, poor Vettel. i don't know it was not the first time he was going to be hit and run off the track no no it was a rough <laughs> weekend for sebastian vettel as well uh but it was a very good weekend for haas and uh mick schumacher who really oh. proved his worth in f1 this weekend um he had several battles with Lewis Hamilton over the course of the weekend, and this first one in the sprint race, he was very entertaining. He got his elbows out and kept Lewis behind him for several laps. Um, he was aided by the DRS of his teammate Kevin Magnuson in front of him for um, four or five laps, um, but then Magnuson, with all the fighting behind him, was able to pull away a little bit outside their DRS range. And then uh, Hamilton was able to overtake Schumacher eventually. But uh, it was a fun battle to watch for sure. And really, really cool to see kind of the next generation, um, <laughs> even bearing the Schumacher <laughs> name, fighting Hamilton. I saw a picture on Instagram. It was just a side-by-side -side of um, Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton battling. And then in the next one, it was Mick and Schumacher. It was like the same track, same corner. It was really cool. Yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, it was cool to see in Canada, and it's cool to see him continuing uh, a little bit of momentum from that race. And even, you know, speaking up a little when he thought the the team should have made some different decisions in terms of where Magnuson was uh, in the spring, mm -hmm. whether he should have been there or not to help him with the DRS a little more. It was, it was cool to see him not, yeah. you know, have a great race and then make some kind of rookie mistake or try to be too aggressive on a pass or something like that, or even just bad luck and actually finish a race in the, the spot that he was fighting for. Yep, absolutely. Um, so he did finish P9 in the sprint race just outside the points um, with Lewis, Lewis Hamilton taking up that last points paying spot. Um, so yeah, let's just go over the top eight then uh, as the race finished. Verstappen came over the line first, winning the sprint race and starting on uh, in P1 for the future race. Behind him was Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. 
And then in fourth was George Russell, followed by Sergio Perez, Esteban Ocon, uh, Kevin Magnuson, and Lewis Hamilton in eighth. So that was the sprint race this week. Um, like the others, it had some exciting moments, but uh, overall wasn't wasn't too much going on. Um, so let's just go on to the future race. Uh, Verstappen oh got a really good start. Um, pulled away pretty quickly on lap one. Uh, there was some fighting between the Ferraris, George Russell, and Sergio Perez behind him. Um, Russell hit Perez in turn four, spinning him around as he tried to overtake, uh, which got Russell a five-second penalty. Um, but it was actually a really similar incident to the incident with Lewis Hamilton and Alex Albon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think a year ago or two years ago? Two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, two years ago. Uh same corner, same track, uh, and it looked almost exactly the same with the Mercedes taking out a Red Bull. <laughs> Learning from the uh, best. Yep. <laughs> so, moving on, Schumacher passed Hamilton early on, um, and then moving around for a few more laps, and Leclerc was able to catch up to Max Verstappen on lap 12 and pass him in turn 4. Uh, Verstappen after that pit pretty early, um, basically accepting that he was going to drive a two-stop race, which at the time wasn't uh, really known if it was a one-stop or a two-stop yet. Um, turns out the tire degradation was high enough to where pretty much everybody had at least two stops. Yep. Um, so Hamilton passed Schumacher and Magnussen back on lap 15 uh, to advance. Magnussen got a double overtake on Fernando Alonso and Guan Yu Zhou on lap 25. And then Norris on, on the same lap also got a double overtake on Fernando Alonso and Mick Schumacher. And in fact, it was almost a triple overtake on Kevin Magnussen as well. But uh, yeah, Magnussen was able to defend his spot just barely. Yeah, that was such a cool series of just several laps were so close in the midfield so competitive just those five cars just ready to pass each other good passing and even after the passes took place they're all super close together yeah yeah the racing was very good in the midfield this race it was really tight for the majority of the race and there was pretty much constant action back there uh behind the leaders so that that was kind of where the entertainment was this race yeah, and luckily the direction was uh, smart enough to actually focus on that for a while while that was going on. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Leclerc pit on lap 27, and then Sainz followed him in on lap 28. Uh, Hamilton overtook Esteban Ocon for a net fourth place on lap 30. Um, and then Charles Leclerc, after uh, getting undercut by Verstappen, um, Verstappen was able to pass him basically with a pit stop um, and had 12 lap fresher tires. Or, well, Leclerc had 12 lap fresher tires after he pit, um, so he was able to catch back up to Max um, on lap 33 and pass him into turn three, which is the really tight. Uh, borderline hairpin at the top of a hill that's really easy to sail right through yep <laughs> um so we had some more passing with schumacher and magnuson going at it 
Uh, Verstappen pit again on lap 38 for hard tires. Um, I think everybody, I think he thought he was going to go to the end of the race on those, uh, and that was the original plan. Uh, so he was back behind the two Ferraris and a couple of other cars he made quick work of. Um, Pierre Gasly spun Sebastian Vettel around in turn four on lap 40, which uh, got him a five-second penalty. It was basically a carbon copy of the Hamilton, uh, or not the Hamilton, um, the Russell and Perez incident. Yeah. Uh, so it was pretty easy penalty because it looked exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it happens two times during race, and this is a pretty quick turnaround on the five-second there. Yeah. Uh, Charles Leclerc came in to pit again on lap 51. There was a virtual safety car. Uh, or no, that was later on. Uh, Leclerc pit uh, under green on lap 51, I believe. Um, and was able to catch up and pass Verstappen on lap 53. Um, Carlos Sainz had an engine failure on lap 57 to everybody's dismay. Oh. <laughs> it's rough to watch. No, it was, it was terrible. It was like somebody just stuck a, a frag grenade under his uh, engine fairing, and it, it you could see it just exploding underneath the car. Yeah, yeah. In the replay, they showed uh, <laughs> they showed him pulling up to a stop, and as he was coming up, <laughs> coming up to stop, he uh, the entire back half of his car just like <laughs> you just see it looks like a bomb went off in there. It just yeah, it just ignited. Yeah. Uh, pretty crazy. Unfortunate for Carlos, and he could hear the pain in his voice over the radio as yeah, he was no, telling he's... his team. Yeah, you see him pull over, and he's just talking in the radio, and everybody, you know, you can see on the outside, is like, this dude's car is on fire. He, needs, he should probably get out of there. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was interesting, and the stewards took a little longer to react than I thought they would. Yeah, it was kind of tough. But... Yeah, I'm surprised they went for a VSC instead of a, a full safety car, too, considering there is a car just completely disabled on the side of the track. Yeah, I was not entirely sure about that. I mean, obviously, it ended up working out, but I, I would have called a safety car if it was me. But, um, yeah, he pulled over to the side of the track and uh, put his car into neutral uh, and <laughs> took off his steering wheel. But since there's so many hills in Austria, he was parked on an uphill and so basically every time he took his foot off the brake his car oh, would yeah. start rolling backwards towards the track and he'd slide um, back in to try to stop it and then he'd try yeah. to get out again it would just roll back it was, it was bad to it took the, took the stewards way too long to get out there um to help him stop rolling the car um so yeah his cars <laughs> burst into flames and the flames are now growing uh, he can't stop his car, so I was, like, pretty convinced for a second there that he was going to jump out because of necessity, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then his car was going to be a flaming piece of metal rolling back onto the track <laughs> across the racing line. Uh, I was I was ready for something really spicy to happen. <laughs> um, but Fortunately, they, that didn't happen. Yeah, fortunately that didn't happen. They called the VSC. The stewards got out there in time and put a wheel block underneath his front right tire um, to stop the car from rolling. They put out the car pretty quickly and uh, ended up not being a huge safety hazard, but um, definitely a big disappointment for Carlos Sainz as he was literally, as his engine blew up, he was going to overtake Verstappen for P2. 
Yeah, that was super unfortunate timing. And of course, Ferrari now has a, a large project ahead of them to repair not just the engine, but all the bits that also caught on fire. Because so much of these cars are made of carbon fiber, and you don't really think about it, but carbon fiber is pretty flammable. Or at least the resin that, that holds it all together is. Mm -hmm. So they, they lost a lot of the car there. And it wasn't just the bodywork that they're going to have to replace because of the fire. Yeah. Big repair bill for Ferrari, for sure. Uh, not ideal under the cost cap era, but, you know... They're going to have to make do. I know that the FIA has started to work with some teams on some solutions for uh, for the cost cap. Um, I think they're increasing the cost cap just by a little bit to account for inflation um, since the world has changed quite a bit since the regulations were introduced in like 2019. Um, <laughs> yeah. A few things have happened since the end, since then. <laughs> oh, really? I, I yeah. Noticed. Yeah. Uh, um, is Sainz already on his third engine or third power plant swap, or does he still have some uh, swaps before he gets penalties? I don't know for sure, but I would be very surprised if he wasn't on penalties starting next time. Yeah, uh, it's just like he—he'll probably have a penalty rough in France, if I were to guess. Yeah, it's a rough position for Ferrari. Yeah. Uh, that's just been kind of the story for them, though, this season. Uh, everybody with the Ferrari engine, they just blow up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure Joe has some recommendations for them. Yeah, he's he's got some experience. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. They're going to have to look at look at their engine during the offseason and try to figure out what they can do because they, they, can't, they can't keep placing engines every two races. <laughs> No, that is not sustainable in any era, much less cost cap. Yeah. Um, so Leclerc and Verstappen, under the virtual safety car for science, decided to come in to the pits on the same lap, uh, kind of neutralized their strategic battle a little bit since they both got new mediums on their cars. Um, but uh, so they, there was about a four seconds, four second gap between Leclerc and Verstappen towards the end of the race. And that started dropping quick, pretty quickly as Leclerc had some problems with his throttle, <laughs> uh, getting <laughs> the stuck open. Way to make, yeah, the easiest way to make your car go faster is just to remove the bottom 30% of your throttle, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, his throttle kept getting stuck open and that was creating problems, um, <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, slowing him down. Uh, so Verstappen was able to cut the gap to about two seconds, maybe a little under, uh, by the last lap. Um, and then also towards the end of the race, George Russell passed Esteban Ocon for P4. Um, but the race ended with Leclerc winning, uh, followed by Verstappen and Hamilton. Yeah, so luckily Leclerc is able to hold it off. Uh, next to Ferrari's training roster is probably putting Cougars in the car, uh, a Talladega Knight style, to help their drivers train after removing their throttle pedals. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, fastest lap went to Max Verstappen, and the driver of the day went to Mick Schumacher. Woohoo! Deservedly so. Yeah. Um, yeah, Haas just yeah. had a great weekend. Mm hmm. Haas had it, yeah. Haas has been on form recently um but uh 
the results for the race. Uh, Charles Leclerc won, followed by Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton on the podium. Fourth place went to George Russell, followed by Esteban Ocon, Mick Schumacher, Lando Norris, Kevin Magnussen, Daniel Ricciardo, and Fernando Alonso rounding out the top 10 in the points finishers. In 11th place was Valtteri Bottas, followed by Alex Albon, Lance Stroll, Zhou Guan Yu, Pierre Gasly, Yuki Tsunoda, and Sebastian Vettel in 17th. That rounds off the race finishers. And then the non-finishers were Carlos Sainz, Nicholas Latifi, and Sergio Perez. All right, let's talk about those uh, Ferrari engines, shall we? So yeah, Ferrari had some reliability problems again this week. Um, not just them, but their engine customers as well. Uh, not <laughs> they're not they're not making any any ground on on that front. It doesn't seem. Yeah, no, they're not getting the JD power reliability award anytime soon this year. Yeah, uh, they they need to figure that out if they're going to win championships, because I think it's already too late this year. But, uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, uh, although they, it they is interesting need. that uh, Bottas has been able to avoid every... Like, I don't think there's been a race that he hasn't finished because of engine problems. Bottas? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't think of one. Um, yeah, most of the time his problems come in like practice sessions and then joe is the one with all the problems in the races <laughs> yeah so uh yeah it's, it's kind of interesting i don't think bodas has even taken an engine change at this point uh he's definitely taken an engine change just no penalties um i think he he had an engine blow up on him in miami i think um but that was during practice oh right right, right. um so, yeah, but he's definitely had better luck than pretty much any other Ferrari driver, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, although Haas um, didn't seem to have any problems. Their their engines were uh, moving quite quickly on this track. This week, yeah, for sure. Um, Haas is definitely improving, like, overall. Their, their drivers are getting better. Magnussen's back on form. Uh, Schumacher is looking way more confident in his car. Um, two points finishes in a row after not finishing in the points for like a season and a half. Yeah, and the uh, critical part is Haas hasn't really been spending that much money on upgrades. Uh, they didn't bring any upgrades to the past couple races. They actually haven't upgraded their car this season yet. Really, from all season. What I from what I understand, yeah, I think they wow. do have some coming for France and Hungary, I believe, and then I think they'll have more after the summer break. But yeah, it's just uh straight up driver improvement at Haas, which is really good for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think the uh the pairing of K Mag and Mick has actually really helped too. It seems like Mick's kind of leveling out a little bit as he goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he was remember, just in his own head a lot. Yeah, and races like Miami, uh, where he was also in the points and he went for was honestly a pretty foolish overtake attempt on Vettel. That ruined his race. Uh, he's starting to make less and less of those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it took him this long in uh, F2 also. It wasn't, you know, towards the middle of his second season that he really started coming into his own. That's true. Yeah. His first season was just kind of 
mediocre in F2, and then the second season he won the championship. So um might just be he's still just getting used to F1 and how it works and the cars and stuff like that. I mean, it's understandable. Um, a lot of rookies take a while to really start to, you know, find their feet. Like Yuki Sonoda has improved a lot this year, um, even though in the last couple races he's had some <laughs> moments. Um, overall, he's a lot better than he was last year for sure. Uh yeah. But I would say Guan Yu Zhou is having a very good rookie season. Well, not <laughs> points-wise and finish-wise, but in terms of how he's driving and the, you know, where he's at on the track when his car isn't blowing up, um, he's doing really well. And I think nothing he's, showing... he's done has really been his fault yet. Yeah, I think he's showing the most potential of any first-year rookie that I've seen in the past few seasons. Oh, absolutely. He can keep up with Bottas on a good day. Yeah. Yeah. And so. he's, he's shown that. So now he just needs a more reliable car to go along with the potential. Yeah, exactly. Um, so other teams we have struggling. Uh, McLaren. McLaren struggled a lot this week. Qualifying. Just barely squeaked into double points. Yeah, they qualified P15 and 16. And then I think they were... It's either 12th and 13th or 11th and 12th uh, going into the race. Um, but yeah, double points finish with Norris in 7th and uh, Ricardo in 9th. Yeah, so just barely enough to stay ahead of some rivals, but they're going to have to start picking it up because Alpine also finished double points, and Alcon was in super great form this race. Mm-hmm. They both were. Um, Alonso absolutely destroyed everybody else in the field because uh, remember he started from the pit lane yeah uh, because so he, had of his to, he had to fight his problems. way up yeah so he started he started last out of the pit lane and uh, yeah like you said had to fight his way through the field he was up there um kind of you know p6 and 7 for a while uh and then we had some more racing and strategy you know, mix-ups happen, and then he ended up dropping back to, like, P10, but he had really good recovery drive, and he was right up there uh, in that gaggle of five or six cars in the, in the you know, 5th through 10th area. Yeah. Um, there was a, quite a big group that was fighting for most of the race there. Um, so, really good recovery from Alonso. Can't really complain about that. He comes home with a point. Um, and after what happened in the sprint, I don't think you can really <laughs> feel too bad about that. No, no, I think Alpine maybe got their strategies a little confused, like a lot of teams, uh, with Alonso. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that they thought they could want to stop it was a little laughable considering where he was. Uh, so I think they probably could have planned a little better for that and maybe gotten them up a little closer to Alcon, but... Uh, overall, I mean, you can't complain about double points for a team like Alpine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so AlphaTauri is uh, having a rough couple of races recently. In Britain, they had Yuki Tsunoda making a questionable, at best, move <laughs> on Pierre Gasly, his teammate, spinning them both out. Um, definitely the worst-case scenario for them. Uh and then Gasly also had that crash with Joe and Russell in Britain. And then another crash with Lewis Hamilton in the sprint race here. Uh, 
So, <laughs> and then another hopefully... crash with Vettel during the race. Oh, yep, forgot about that yeah. one too. And then yeah. Yuki Sonoda shoved Alonso off the track. Yeah, uh, uh, there is the track limits penalty that Gasly picked up. Yep, uh, Alfatori is having a rough, rough part <laughs> of the season. Hopefully, they can and turn it around. They're looking so good at the start of the season too, especially Sunoda, who's essentially really consistently showing up here, Gasly. Uh, mm-hmm. those first few races and they both drop back to kind of mediocrity yeah um yeah i mean that's a really good word for it i mean they just they're just kind of not not where they need to be uh no especially not for a team with a, a red bull power plant which we know is one of the fastest on the, the grid yep for sure so hopefully they can turn their bad form around uh, in the near future, uh, I know this next race is the French Grand Prix, and then is Pierre Gasly's home race, so he will yep. be looking to perform for sure. Um, like you said, track limits were enforced very oh, harshly this race. Uh-huh. Every single it was, it felt like every minute a new banner would show up on the F1 TV broadcast, saying mm-hmm. uh, that a, a driver had even been either been black and white flagged or had been penalized uh, for track limits. And it, it wasn't really evident watching the race, but as you went back through some of the driver cams, you could see that uh, there were definitely some uh, exceeding of the limits going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were just, there was no mercy for <laughs> for the drivers this week. Uh but, I mean, keeping the car on the track is part of the sport. And I honestly, I would rather have this than what it has been in the past. Where it's kind of just, no one really knows what the rules are. And so, it's just up to the stewards to decide what's illegal and what's not. Yeah, trying to um, discern whether advantage was gained or uh, whether a place was lost or whatever from using the track limits. Yeah. I like the rules better. Where if if all four car if all four uh, of your wheels go off the and cross the white line, uh, that's that's your warning there. And then three warnings gets you black and white flag. And then the next time you get a penalty. Um, yeah. So it's a lot easier as viewers too to keep track of what's going on. Yeah, I and I would love for them to keep enforcing limits this way. The one thing I will say is if they do that, they really need to have. A, uh, a graphic for penalties on the driver <laughs> board because it was impossible to figure out who actually had like five second penalties and who didn't at the end of the race so I actually for like most of the midfield I had no idea who actually finished where <laughs> yeah I just kind of assumed that they all had penalties and that it evened out yeah uh, um, but yeah and it's just it's an easy track to exceed track limits on you know you, you don't have enormous curbs or uh super tight walls or anything like that or even a whole lot of gravel really close to the track you have big runoff areas and it's just easy for drivers to maybe abuse that a little more than they should yeah that's the thing is it's a track where track li- like exceeding track limits actually gains you an advantage where a lot of the tracks, that's not the case at all, which is why um, a lot of the track limits rules aren't really enforced as strictly at other places, is because in a lot a lot of the time you're not actually gaining an advantage by leaving the track. Um, but at Red Bull Ring, most of the times people do leave the track, uh, it's going wide at either turn 1, 3, or 10. Um, 
which just gives you the opportunity to get a way better exit uh, out of those corners onto the long straights that follow, which can gain you, uh, I mean, several tenths of a second of an advantage per lap. Um, so it's definitely important that it's uh, enforced in Austria. Um, but I, like I said, I think it should be enforced everywhere, just so it's clear for everybody. Um, if you go off the track, then your lap time gets deleted. I think it should just be as simple as that. I mean, people might have to drive slower, but that's, you know, that's part of the challenge of it. Yeah. Yeah. And like you were saying, it's just a, it's an easy track to accentuate it on because it's so predicated on those just, it has so many long straights and the exit side of corners are so important there. So that's why you saw so many of the track limits being exceeded right before those long straights. Yep. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of one of the big stories of this race. Um, just a few more notes. Hamilton is looking very good back on form, back the Lewis Hamilton we know and love, or maybe have gotten bored of winning for the past eight years. Uh, <laughs> but he's, he's back on form. Um, definitely looking like the driver that, uh, Mercedes needs him to be. Um, clawed his way all the way up from P8 to P3 at the end. Um, and then George Russell also had a good recovery drive coming from, uh, well, he started P4, I believe, but he had that five-second penalty after clashing with Perez early on. Uh, he was able to recover back to P4 um, after quite the race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty good that he's the older curve after that. I wasn't quite sure where that would put him uh, after that penalty, but luckily it was early enough in the race. Yep. He is able to uh, escape unharmed for the most part. Yep. Good recovery. Um, and then Valtteri Bottas, uh, I think, just uh, as a side note, it was a great selection from Alfa Romeo last year um, because he really seems like he wants to build the team up and help them improve overall. He always asks about Joe after the race and cares about where he is and where he finished and, you know, just the overall development and performance of the team. Um, I think in terms of long-term uh, Alfa Romeo getting to, <laughs> I'm sure they want to be at the top of the field, I think Bottas was absolutely the right choice for them. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's good to, to have, you know, the rookie who can learn, but also the, the more experienced driver who can uh, guide and assist with not just teaching the rookie but development of the car uh Kimi Räikkönen always felt kind of like an absentee dad at Alfa Romeo towards the mm -hmm. end there uh he was you know kind of hanging out but I think Bottas is helping a little more actively uh, in his role there yeah I'd say so too uh he definitely comes with the experience and uh the knowledge to develop a car uh, obviously he was with Mercedes for a little over half their their big championship run so he's got the knowledge and uh, knows how to make a fast car <laughs> um so yep good good uh selection from them but that's all we got to talk about for uh for this race so let's go over the championship standings we are now halfway through the 2022 f1 season so we'll just go first to last just since it's because it's been a while um 21, 21 people have driven this year. 
Uh, first place with 208 points is Max Verstappen. In second, Charles Leclerc with 170 points. In third place is Sergio Perez with 151 points. In fourth is Sainz with 133, followed by George Russell with 128, and Lewis Hamilton with 109. Those are your top six. That's the top three teams, and um, that's kind of the championship battle right now. Uh, past that, in seventh is Lando Norris, and followed by Esteban Ocon and Valtteri Bottas, and then Fernando Alonso in tenth. And 11th is Kevin Magnussen, followed by Daniel Ricciardo, Pierre Gasly, Sebastian Vettel, Mick Schumacher, Yuki Tsunoda, Zhou Guan Yu, Alex Albon, Lance Stroll, and Nicholas Latifi in 20th. And then in 21st place, our man, the myth, the legend, Nico Hulkenberg. <laughs> Good old. Um, or reliable. Had, yep, he had the couple of races at the beginning of the season, subbing in for Sebastian Vettel, who had covid all right, and then for the Constructors' Championship, in first place with 359 points is Red Bull Racing. Following them in second is Ferrari with 303 points, 56 points behind them. And then Mercedes with 237 points. After that in fourth and fifth are McLaren and Alpine respectively, both tied at 81 points. Um, and then Alfa Romeo... Uh, is 6th with 51, Haas is 7th with 34 points, AlphaTauri is 8th with 27 points, Aston Martin is 9th with 18 points, and bringing up the rear is Williams with 3 points. Yeah, how long has it been since we've seen Haas uh, outside of, well, 10th? It's been a second. Um <laughs> It is good to see them kind of clawing back. They had a, they had such a good last couple of races that, yeah, they're up to seventh. Like that's respectable. Yeah, yeah, and those most of those thirty four points came from these last two races. So if they keep it up, uh, they're gonna eclipse Alfa Romeo pretty quick after a summer break. Yeah, it looks like that's gonna be an interesting battle shaping up is uh, Haas versus Alfa Romeo, which. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's about the same as the last few years, but they're a little higher up in the field this time. Um, and then McLaren Alpine is the other one. And then uh, Mercedes is almost assuredly going to get third place. And then Yeah, they're in kind of a no-man's land right now. Yeah. Uh, Red Bull Ferrari. Um, honestly, if Ferrari can win a couple more races, regardless of where the other Red Bulls lie, like they can get back into it. But um, yeah. they they really need to sort out their reliability problems. And they need a couple of bad bad races from Red Bull to really have a shot. Yeah, I remember start of the season, it was the opposite. Red Bull mm -hmm. was having all the reliability problems, and Ferrari was just free and clear. So it's anyone's yeah. game still. Absolutely. It shows you how quickly things can change in this sport. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, half the season is done. We've got another, I think that was, was that 11 races? So we've got, I think there's 23 races, so 12 more. So I guess not technically halfway, but just about, um, yeah, it's, uh, looking like a pretty good season. Uh, I think it'll get spicy towards the end if Ferrari can start winning a little more. Um, I think they've just really had a run of bad luck and that's kind of a lot of their problem right now yeah 
that and uh just poor pit strategy mm-hmm. um yeah it's like the one week they had perfect strategy and uh fast car that could actually beat red bull on pace they have an engine failure it's like that's just such a ferrari thing right now <laughs> they just can't get just everything the, to work together at the same time the worst look um but yeah oh that's the other thing it's like carlos Sainz was able to pass verstappen purely on pace not because of you know verstappen having a problem or whatever uh Carlos Sainz was legitimately faster than Verstappen this week, and that was, I think, one of the most encouraging things he can take away from this race. Yep. Um, they've got a good car. They just uh, need to not shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah. Yeah, they need to combine all the pieces. Yeah. Um, so that's it for the results. Let's move on to the overtake of the week. I gave this one to Fernando Alonso. Uh, overtaking Yuki Sonoda in Austria, not because of the difficulty of the overtake, which is what I've been doing in the past, but, but for style, style points. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Yuki Sonoda coming out of turn three, uh, Fernando Alonso went down the inside. Um, Yuki Sonoda on the preceding straight uh, shoved him off the road, so Alonso had two tires in the grass. Um, Alonso kept his foot in it and was able to pull up beside Yuki Sonoda on the straight and wag his finger at him out the side of the car while he was going into the braking zone and making the turn and overtaking him. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so weird. I did not expect that. Yeah, so Fernando Alonso with the finger wag while he was overtaking Yuki Sonoda, that was just an absolutely legendary move. Um, but some honorable mentions go to that double overtake by Kevin Magnuson. And I, I, if it was for skill points, I would have given it to Lando Norris yeah. um, for his double, almost triple overtake in turn three. <laughs> but yeah, uh, unfortunately he just, he didn't have the style to pull it off. Not quite. <laughs> Fernando had a little bit more, more style points on him and I, I couldn't let that go uh, unrewarded. Yeah, um, well, even you know, passing somebody after coming off the grass is no small feat either. So that's there's true. a little skill involved there. Yeah. Um, so pit stop championship time. Uh, this race it was won by Williams. Nicholas Latifi had the fastest pit stop this week. I, for, I forgot he was in this race. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, he retired early, so he had his pit stop, and then I think. Uh, he went out for a couple more laps and then retired. Ah, um, I see. But, yeah, he had a problem with his car. Um, but anyway, he won the pit stop race this week, uh, taking home the maximum 25 points. And he was followed by both Ferraris of Sainz and Leclerc, uh, and then Max Verstappen behind them, followed by Daniel Ricciardo and Lance Stroll. And then we had Yuki Tsunoda and Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel, and George Russell um, rounding off the points. So uh, Ferrari had a very good week of pit stops. Um, they actually, I think, matched uh, their fastest pit stop of the year, or at least got pretty close to it. So I think Williams might have actually gotten the fastest pit stop of the year uh, this race. Um, I'll have to double check on that, but that sounds pretty close to right-ish to me. 
Yeah, yeah, Ferrari is actually having just really consistent, really fast pit stops. Uh, it actually kind of helped until one of their engines blew up. Uh, oh, yeah. They were able to gain a couple of tenths on even Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Every, just every stop. Right. Um, so let's just go through the pit stop championship standings uh, for the drivers. Uh, it's still Perez and Verstappen out in front by a mile. And then Lando Norris is still in third. The Ferraris, uh, I think, moved up to 5th and 6th, so Leclerc's in 5th, Sainz is in 6th. Past that, nothing super interesting, but in the Constructors, we actually have some movement, um, Incredible. and Ferrari passes McLaren for 2nd place. Wow. So, uh, actually, I was not expecting that, because Ferrari's not known <laughs> for their pit stops. Um, no. But they're doing good this year. Uh they're up in the second place. Uh, still have less than half the points that Red Bull do. <laughs> um, uh. But, you know, <laughs> take what you can get, right? Yeah. Speaking um, of I taking think... what you can get, the uh, can we talk about the GP predictions? Oh, for sure. We can absolutely talk about the GP predictions. Uh, you did really well this week. Really well, he says. I got two places correct. And your dark horse. And your fastest lap. Oh, I get. We both got fastest lap. Yeah, we both got dark horse too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, considering the past, <laughs> where it's mostly just all wrong. <laughs> I yeah. Think yeah, we got to take what you can get. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to go through your predictions for? Actually, let's just uh, remind everybody the top five. Um, it was Leclerc, Verstappen, Hamilton, Russell, and Ocon. Do you want to go through what you picked last week? Yeah, so I had uh, Perez as first. Um, yeah, and then I had Verstappen, which I actually got. Hamilton, which I got. Uh, Leclerc ended up being first. So I, I, I missed on that one. Signs didn't finish the race. Not really something I expected. And Russell ended up coming in fourth. Uh, so good job, Mercedes, for keeping me in the fight, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, my top five picks were Verstappen, Perez, Leclerc, Russell, and Sainz. The only one I got right was Russell in fourth place. Uh, And then for my dark horse, I had Lewis Hamilton, who ended up finishing third. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, maybe we need to keep the Mercedes drivers in the back of our heads whenever we make these, just to ensure that we at least get some wins. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Mercedes is definitely uh, faster than they were at the beginning of the season, so they're. Oh my gosh! It's gonna be uh, probably more likely to see them up in the top five more often. Uh, fastest lap, we both said Verstappen, right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, it was Verstappen, so we both got that correct. Um, unlike driver of the day, where uh, <laughs> we went to Mick Schumacher. What'd you say, Ben? I said our our penalty king himself. Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly, the man who I think acquired more penalty points than uh, championship points this week. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, he did not win driver of the day. Uh, I said Sergio Perez, who retired in like lap 10, I think, or maybe it was a little later than that, but uh, pretty early on in the race. So he did not win either. Um, so yeah. that, that's... No, if this was a, a KD competition, Gasly would have won easily. 
Mm -hmm. uh, he had the highest ratio of uh, confirmed kills <laughs> on track, I think. Yeah, he's got that that great positive <laughs> KD. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's let's go on to our French Grand Prix predictions. Uh, I went first last week, so do you want to pick your top five first this week? I guess I could. I'm not going to shake it up too much at the top. I think uh, Verstappen is probably going to have that first place. And then after him, I'm going to put Perez. After him, though, I think I'd like to see Alcon on podium. And then, because, mm. you know, it's France, mm -hmm. I'll put Lewis Hamilton and George Russell fifth or fourth and fifth. And then for my door course, I'll have Leclerc. Now, okay. what do you say, Leclerc? Uh, I don't remember what you said second. No. <laughs> okay, we can go through this. Uh, first, first stop in. Second, I'll put Leclerc second. How about that? Okay. Third, Alcon. Fourth, Lewis Hamilton. Fifth, George Russell. Dark Horse. Uh, Perez then. Okay. Wow. The Alcon pick kind of throws the wrench in things, doesn't it? It, it uh, really messed me up. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let me... Let's see. I'm going to say... You know, I have, I'm going to say Carlos Sainz wins this race. Wow, um, to come back. Yeah, my reason being he's going to have... Well, oh, but he's going to have an engine penalty. I was going to say it's because he's going to have a brand new engine, but yeah, he's going to start for, pretty far back, and he's not great yeah. at cutting through the field, if I remember correctly. So um, I'm going to give it to little Claire then. Uh, Verstappen second. Um, Hamilton third, Russell fourth, Perez fifth, and then I'll put signs as my dark horse. All right, fastest lap predictions. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm gonna give it to Verstappen. I'm gonna mix it up. I'm gonna give it to Leclerc. Okay, driver of the day. Um, um it's gonna be. I'm gonna say Pierre Gasly again. Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take something out of your book, and I'm gonna say Esteban Alcon. Both oh, of us. I'm going starting to sound like an Alcon fanboy, aren't I? Yeah, a little bit. It's fine. He's he's, he's pretty good. <laughs> he uh, sounds like a nice guy. Yeah, um, kind of an underdog story coming from being out of F1 for a couple of years. Yeah. All right. Um, sweet. So do you have anything else you want to address before we sign off, Ben? No. No, I, th I think I'm uh, content to leave this one a little shorter than usual. Uh, yeah, not too much shorter than actually, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot to talk about uh, this week, so um, glad we were able to stretch it out a little bit. Um, but with all that being said... Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of Rev Hang. If you enjoyed it, leave a like or rating on the platform you listened on. It really helps us out. If you'd like to follow our thoughts and opinions on the motorsport world, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rev Hang Media. If you have any thoughts or questions about racing or even about us, post a tweet at hashtag Rev Hang Podcast, and we may feature your question on the next show. You can follow Ben on Instagram at Benji Meets World and or myself at 2win underscore squared. 
While you're at it, go check out our website, RevHang.com, where you can find a calendar of upcoming races, updated standings for the racing series we talk about, along with our often terrible predictions for the F1 season. We will return in two weeks to talk about the French Grand Prix, as well as, like, three IndyCar races. But until then, I have been Nathan. And I have been Ben. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for coming, guys.